Listening to Thematics presented by UnleashStrengths.com, the only show that embraces your addiction to strengths. Hey everybody, my name is Andy Sokolovich, and I am a Gallup certified strengths coach and the owner of a coaching practice nestled right here in the small Midwest town of Clinton, Iowa, Unleash Strengths. I'm a coach for hire, working with organizations to enhance employee engagement, boost recognition, and increase overall job satisfaction. If you are interested in enlisting the skills of a strengths coach or are looking for a speaker for your next workshop, conference, or seminar, consider giving me a call at 815-441-2219 or email me, andy at unleashstrengths.com. Thematics is a podcast series designed to highlight the massive impact the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment has had on now over 12 million people. That's right. We've gone past 11. Now we're in 12. 12 million users have logged in and taken the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. Pretty awesome. It is our belief that the best way to promote its effectiveness and proven results is to interview those who've experienced the power of strengths based development firsthand. Our guest today is intimately aware of his strengths and wants nothing more than to share his story in an effort to help others just like you succeed. For more information or to schedule an interview for yourself, again, you too can be on Thematics. The only prerequisite is that you absolutely love StrengthsFinder. You can go ahead and shoot me an email, andy at unleashstrengths.com. Hit us up on social media. That's right, where all the cool kids hang out. Facebook.com forward slash Unleash Strengths. Twitter at Unleash CSF. You can subscribe to our podcast via our RSS feed. And iTunes links will both be posted to those in this broadcast, as well as on the top right-hand corner of the website as well at UnleashStrengths.com. You can also submit your questions via SpeakPipe. On the right-hand side of our website is a little thing there that says, Ask a Question. If you hit that, it accesses your computer's microphone. You can speak into the mic, and I will record your voice and play it on this broadcast for us to have answered by our guests. My co-host, as always, is the lovely Grace LeConte. Grace is the chief what your owner ceo chief bottle washer chief bottle washer at lacanti <laughs> consulting you can find more information at lacanticonsulting.com that's l a c o n t e consulting.com grace provides strengths based training to management teams and groups and grace i just want to tell you before you talk a little bit sure. i feel like i'm living in the pacific northwest cuz it has been raining here in the midwest <laughs> non-stop we've had Aww. days of rain and flooding and and uh so yeah anyways i guess i can't compl- ask you all the that time thanks really we've had a dry patch with no rain for a week so maybe we've been sending it over to you guys you know, we'll send it i'll <laughs> box that stuff up and send it right back to yeah, you send it right back we need our green a little, bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit's too much so grace tell us what's going on in your life what's new and uh, i haven't talked to you in about a week huh i know it's been a long week um i'm still cooking up some exciting things i'm um meeting with a marketing group that's helping me to uh, kind of crystallize what I'm doing with my business because I'm changing from being just a consulting firm to adding quite a lot more layers into that um, to help people to grow and to kind of travel in the journey of discovering their abilities. So um, a lot of cool stuff happening very soon. I'm actually redoing my entire website as well as updating a couple other ones. So there's a lot going on in the background. Sometimes you don't see how much a duck is paddling under the water 
right? Ooh, you just I like see the that. calmness up above. I'm gonna steal that. Hey, <laughs> and a uh, lot I, under the water. I, I met your dad on Facebook this week. Fantastic. That was nice. Yeah, your dad was very informative. Had a lot of cool things to say. So we got to get him on the show. So prep him. Get them ready. That's right. And, I would love uh, for Gordon Shefford to join the show sometime. That would be awesome. <laughs> so speaking of growing and developing and doing amazing things in the world, I want to introduce our guest today. Alex Wong is somebody who I've been following for a long time via social media. And if you're a part of the Gallup Strengths Finder group or you're part of the Gallup Call to Coach group, his name should not be a mystery to you. He's very active in those communities and he does a lot of great things to support the development of the strengths movement. So Alex, thanks for being on the show. Go Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from, what you've been doing, and then head, go ahead and reveal your top five. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so my name is Alex. My top five is empathy, developer. Hey, I got my order wrong. It's empathy, <laughs> individualization, developer, strategic, and learner. Um, I really started off Strengths Finder coming across the book in the bookstore. So that's how it is. And today I'm actually running the meetup group for Singapore. I'm having uh, my own company or my own brand, which I call Strengths Alchemy, under which I use it to uh, provide training, provide coaching for others. And some of the people that I've worked with are churches, I've worked with uh, volunteer organizations, really to look at how we can help them recognize what their talents are and how we can put them into practice so that we can achieve better performance in all that they do. How did you get a hold of the StrengthsFinder book? I walked in the bookstore. It was uh, displayed on a table. The name caught my eye. Mm -hmm. I think at that point of time, I was looking for um, personal development and stuff like that. So when I saw the book, Strengths Finder, I thought, hmm, it's an interesting book. I flipped through it. I liked the idea about focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses. And lo and behold, there was an assessment at the back. I'm going like, hey, I should give it a try. So uh, I bought it and I went back, took the assessment. And you know, when the report came out, I thought it was interesting and very, very specific. Uh, I mean, how many reports will tell you that you like working with children? So that came out because of, uh, I can't remember, it was either my empathy or developer, probably a combination of both. Mm -hmm. And when I thought about it, and I was serving in Sunday school at that point of time, and I thought, hey, yeah, hmm, <laughs> interesting report. So it, it, you know, it spoke to you. It was pretty, pretty accurate. And I think, you know, you allude to the fact that you paged through this book and while the content of it was intriguing and the title kind of lured you in, the fact that it had a spot on the back where you could scratch off a code is kind of like a lottery ticket here in the States. I mean, you want to just know more. It's that it's that it's like that kind of mystery of what's gonna happen when I scratch this off, what's going to be revealed. So I think that's neat that you just saw the book lying in a bookstore, because a lot of people who we interview and a lot of people who listen to this podcast are usually given the book by their employer, maybe their supervisor within an organization they work with, some kind of team development. They don't normally just go into a bookstore and pick it up because they think it's interesting. Uh, so that's unique to, to you and how you were introduced to it. So I love that story. Probably came because of my learner. So you know, I was looking for things to learn. I was looking uh, for new things, in fact, that would help me to understand myself better. So when that book came out, I thought it was quite natural for me to gravitate towards it. I mean, I've looked at all sorts of uh, profiling. I've looked at MBTI, I looked at DISC, Finding Strengths Finder, 
and taking an assessment was a kind of a natural progression for me to to find out more about mm-hmm. who I am and how we can take things further. Yeah, Alex, do you happen to know what your MBTI and DISC results are? Uh, my MBTI is uh, ENTJ. Oh, great! Mine's INTJ. We're very similar. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of an EI in between. Sure. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm very outgoing, but I need to recharge a lot by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just talkative. I'm I'm not quite sure if we can link MBTI to StrengthsFinder that much. I did like MBTI a lot uh, mm-hmm. when I started off. It gave me an idea of uh, a way to understand myself, right? So it gives give me a language, give me a way to to relate to other people and think of other people in some of these 16 boxes. At the same time, I find that MBTI could be quite challenging in terms of how do you use it to direct towards performance. And that's what I've heard in the past. You know, I I'm going to go ahead and wave the ignorant flag here because when it through my coaching business and in my personal journey, I've only really embraced the Strengths Finder. I've never taken the others, and and that could be to my fault. Who knows? But what I have heard, and Alex, you kind of just reiterated this, is that the application process of Strengths seems to be a little easier, and it's easy to digest the 34 themes as opposed to the results of the others. Again, I don't know that's just what i've heard that seems to be the popular response but you guys can chime in and let me know what you think i think that the mbti is somewhat easier to remember because you have only four pairs so if you talk to another person and say oh are you an e or i are you a, a n or t are you a that makes it easier for someone to remember strengths finder has 34 but at the same time by knowing my strengths and my talent teams so to speak really allows me to focus on how I go about doing something. So for example, um, Mm -hmm. if I were ENTJ, right, which I am, and I need to get something done, say, give a public speech, Mm -hmm. how does that help me? Okay, so I'm an E, it makes it easier. Um, Let's make it a bit more challenging. What if you had an introvert who needs to give a public speech to um, a group of people. The only option the introvert has is to, hey, you need to be more extroverted to talk to people. (laughs) And uh, I've spoken to some people uh, who are certified in MBTI. And the question is this, in MBTI, do you encourage the person to be more of who they are? Mm -hmm. Or do you encourage the person to be more of who they are not? That's a really good point, Alex. What was his answer or her answer? He thought about it for a while and he told me that um, it really encourages a person to be somewhat more of who they're not, mm. right? So, for example, if I'm a T, I'm a straight talker, it encourages me to oh, be more sensitive to someone's feeling. If I'm a introvert, then it's like, oh, how do you be slightly more extroverted to relate to people? So I- I'm not a MBTI certified. Those are just some feedback that I've gotten from people who have been using MBTI. I think it gives them awareness of uh, how they can self-manage and mitigate some of their natural tendencies. But it doesn't really affirm a person's talents as much as StrengthsFinder does. The thing about StrengthsFinder is that it's so positive, right? It comes and tells you, hey, look, you are brilliant at this. You are Mm -hmm. so good at this. Go and make a difference. Yeah, MBTI, to me, you know, doesn't quite have that impact. 
And I yeah, think that's one of the reasons why when you take the the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, your results are your top five. And people always say, well, why don't I know my bottom five right away? Because history has proven that you will focus all of your attention, at least 90% of it, on those bottom five as opposed to those top five. And that's what that's what my response is to everybody who always asks me those questions. First, learn to embrace your natural talents and then apply them. And then through the process of maturing and understanding how the concept of strengths-based development works, then you can learn to manage your weaknesses. And those two will be identified in the form of lesser talents. Because, um, right. you know, we don't we don't like yeah. to talk about that bottom five as weaknesses because they're not uh, there. There's, there's no weak point about this. It's just something that you're not as strong at accomplishing or a task you're as strong at finishing. It's just it's a lesser talent that kind of needs to be worked on. Or in my in my the way I like to do it is just uh, leverage those talents through others. Yeah. 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 I think that's really the best way. And some people I've spoken to tell me that, hey, I, I want to bring this bottom five up, upwards in the list. The interesting thing is this, assuming that you can do that, you have a new bottom five. <laughs> what are you going to yeah. do with that? Yeah, that's you're right. It's just <laughs> why... why? <laughs> so I really want this. So it's a particular theme. I want this theme. So when I talk to people in sales, and, and, and I don't want to derail this conversation, but when I talk to people in sales, they want that woo to be up in the top five. And <laughs> they're like, why can't I have woo, darn it? And I they're like, be a well, salesman. yeah, it's, it's 29 yeah. for me. And I'm like, well, right. uh, what do you want to do about it? Well, is there anything I can do to build? It's not like a muscle. <laughs> it's not like you can go to the, the woo gym and just start doing some curls and all of a sudden. <laughs> well, one day I don't know, Andy. That in. sounds kind of fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. You're going to come in with like a massive, highly developed woo. And everybody's going to be like, oh, that's an amazing woo. You must have been doing woo curls at the woo gym. It just doesn't It doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah, you make a good point there. How do I move that up higher? Well, that's fine. You can do everything you possibly can to move that up higher. Good luck with that. And, oh, by the way, you're still going to have a bottom five. It, does, it doesn't subtract yeah. one. The list just doesn't change. So, yeah. very well Well, A couple things. Um, I've been observing strengths um, through observation for a while. And Alex, I agree with you that not only is it very hard to correlate, or really it's impossible to correlate Myers-Briggs results with Strengths top five results, possible to correlate the top 15 strengths with, with Myers-Briggs results. I've done this for several people now. Um, I put out a request on the Gallup StrengthsFinder board, um, the Facebook group, um, to if anybody wanted to contribute their Myers-Briggs or DISC results along with their top five strengths. Um, I was looking for a correlation project. I got so many responses. It was just awesome. Over 100 different people contributed to that, um, that discussion. And I took everyone's results and I tried to look for different ways to correlate each of them together. I did not find a clear correlation, Alex, so that's accurate. However, when I looked at people who provided their top 10 or 15, I did find that it was easier to see that there was a strength in the, that quadrant of the Myers-Briggs results. So I think it's just fascinating. This whole discussion is absolutely fascinating to me. It's also really hard to figure out someone's strengths based on observing them. So have you guys ever seen like historic figures and people thinking that they might have certain strengths or, you know, like I'm guessing that my family member has these top five and then they might take it. Of course, dead historical figures can't take this, but like I have a relative that I finally convinced to take it and her results were totally, totally different than what I thought they would be. 
This happened to another friend of mine. I was absolutely sure that he has certain strengths, but his motivations are different than the way he came across. So have you seen that to be true, Alex or Andy? Yeah, it's, it's very, very challenging to guess. Uh, we might often guess like maybe two, maybe three. Right, if two you're or lucky. three, yeah, but not five. Yeah, even four is challenging. Uh, and mm-hmm. the reason is this. Most people are not aware of their natural recurring way of thinking, feeling and behaving, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's so natural to them, it's like breathing air. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it stays out of consciousness. And I found that a lot of times, the things that they are more conscious of could be their 6 to 10. So the interesting thing that I've observed in my meetup groups, uh, and I do have a number of people who turn up without taking the assessment. Sure. Uh, what I do is I get them to look through the 34 lists, the, the short description one, the quick reference. After the meetup, most of them would actually go and take the assessment and find that, hey, it's different. Uh, I think it's really about awareness. And even from an external point of view, it's difficult to guess because a combination of teams could look like another team. Mm-hmm. And unless we are really able to dig deep and ask about, hey, what are the motivations? What are the thought patterns behind what you're doing? We might get a, a better sense of guessing, um, but really easiest way is just take the assessment. Yeah, and I, I just I believe so much more strongly in the value that the testing method of the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder 2.0 test provides. Um, it's not just a, um, a conversation piece. You can't just open the book and take a stab at what your top five strengths are. There's there's a method that they use in the testing itself that I feel a lot more strongly about now that I've tried on my own to kind of guess what top strengths might be because it really comes from an inner motivation and that really can't come out until the person can sit down and answer the questions in, in the order that they come in the assessment. So if any of you are on the fence or thinking about, you know, to our listeners out there, hello, if you're thinking about taking it or you've kind of guessed what your top five are, I I think it might be helpful to take the assessment. It's only $10 and right away you get the top five results and then you can start to dig into what those mean for you and how those apply in your life. Yeah, Grace, you know, there's something that I never really understood is there are people who come up to me and say, hey, I think the test is expensive. Most people, if you were to take a DISC or MBTI, that would cost you much more than that. Mm, oh, definitely. Oh, by the way, you can get Myers-Briggs guesstimate results online for free. To, to get the official results, um, you do have to pay something, but there are so many tests that mimic the results that you can find online for free. So if anyone yes. is curious about those results. I took several other personality tests. But again, I think, Alex, I'd love to hear what you're your perspective is on this because I think it's important for our, our listeners who may or may not have taken it or even if they have taken it, they're not sure if it really helps to describe them in a sense of like, what's it going to do to help me? A lot of personality tests only take you so far and they may be helpful in a work setting. DISC is very helpful in a work setting, but it shows your work personality. It doesn't show what you're motivated to do or why. So for example, you, Alex, you have three relationship building strengths according to the, the domains of the strengths finder assessment and two strategic thinking strengths. So right away from, from your top five, I can tell kind of how you might work in a group. Whereas by knowing that you are an ENTJ, that doesn't necessarily help me understand how you'd function in a group and what, what purpose you might serve or how you might feel about that. Uh, I, I don't really um, 
talk much about MBTR with them. I do have mm-hmm. people uh, who have contacted me and say, hey, uh, I read your blog post on uh, MBTI versus Strengths Finder versus the ISC, uh, and you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to uh, have a chat with you. So other than that, uh, to be honest, I, I find that MBTI gives you a handle on how a person is. It does. Uh, for those who have in-depth knowledge of MBTI, it can actually be quite telling about uh, a person's personality and how they approach uh, people and how they relate. Like, you know, if you get uh, introvert ENFP, I think, creatives, um, people who, who are very introverted, and chances are it's it may not be uh, that easy to, to relate to them because they need to uh, work with people who are, they are close to. For me, Strengths Finder is a much easier way to understand a person than MBTI. Maybe because I'm trained in Strengths Finder but not MBTI. Uh, but overall, I find that the Strengths Finder really helps to drill down to an individual. You know, Strengths Finder, you to find someone in your top five with the same order occurs one in 33 million, right? Uh, if it's your top five in any order, that's one in 278,000. Compared to MBTI, it's one in 16. So the, being able to be very specific help us to target about how an individual, whether you're uh, talking about personal development, how does this individual go about doing something? And if you're talking about working relations, uh, that also comes in very useful in terms of, hey, what do you need? What are some potential areas of conflict? Or what could even uh, some misconceptions be? So I was talking to uh, this lady once and she was sharing with me her story. She said that she had a work colleague um, who works under her and this work colleague was actually very frustrated with her. Now, the reason is she kept asking her work colleague questions, right? And her work colleague felt that, um, you know, you don't trust me, you think I don't know my work, you think that I'm not able to do things well. And really, what this person had was learner. She was asking a lot of questions, not because she mistrusted, not because she was doubting uh, the, the person, but rather she was just curious to find out more. So once that was revealed, what happened was there was a change in mindset, right? Uh, now the work colleague, colleague felt a lot less judged. Um, the person understood where she was coming from and the relationship just transformed. Wow. So I think one thing that becomes very useful in working relations or even any relationship using Strengths Finder is it helps us to unpack the motivations behind it. A lot of times when we observe a behavior and there's a conflict, it's not so much the behavior, but rather our perceived intention behind that behavior that really causes us to, to uh, get really angry or really frustrated. Uh, and we tacked on a story behind that behavior, which might or might not be true. Having Strengths Finder helped us to clarify, you know, the intent that this is my natural way of thinking, feeling, behaving. This is what I want to achieve. How can we do it together? And I think that has a tremendous impact. I'm not sure that MBTI <laughs> has that ability to do so. I'm a huge strengths nerd. I absolutely love it. I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about Myers Briggs and Disc, and I <laughs> and I think it's all great. I'm learning information, but I'm confused as well. So so moving forward, this podcast is about strengths and strengths based development. Awesome. So so Alex, let's talk a little bit about 
you know, Thematics was formed specifically for the audience, the listener, who has just taken the assessment. Their boss gave them a book. The, they joined a nonprofit, and the, and the director gave them this book and said, now go and take this assessment. Bring back your results. We want to talk about it. What do you say to somebody? They go through, they take 177 questions, 20 seconds to answer each question. They get the results. They print it out. They look at it. How do you, as a coach or strengths enthusiast or anybody get them to now apply that information they learned? What is the steps they take? Step one, hire me as your coach. Yeah, (laughs) self-promoted. Alex Wong, I love it. (laughs) Well, really, uh, we need to translate from the report to being able to understand how it impacts the way that we react and the way that we relate to other people. So really, the, the strength development process is to name it, claim it, and aim it. Naming piece is really to say, hey, let's understand what is this talent team? Was it for me? And I think a useful way for a person to really understand how it plays out for them is to share the report with with people whom they are close to, who know them very well. One thing that I make all my clients do is go share with three people your reports and ask them which part of the report sounds like you which part doesn't sound like you, and ask them for examples. Now, the reason is this. There are a lot of times that we have blind spots. We don't see what other people see. I've talked about how using our strengths is as natural as breathing air. So you might look at it and say, hey, is this really me? I'm not so sure. But pass it to your spouse, your best friend. You'll say, like, that's exactly who you are. you know. And that really uh, helps the person to recognize and to claim it and say, hey, Maybe it is. I just wasn't aware. And even for areas where someone might say, hey, I don't think this sounds like you. But you might feel that the report speaks to you and say that it does sound like me. Let me explain to you. By virtue of just sharing your report with people who are close to you, one is it gives you opportunity to recognize and see things in yourself that others see but was blind to you. And by sharing and telling other people about things that they do not see, but you recognize in yourself, helps them to know more about you. So it's pretty much like the Johari window uh, kind of an impact whereby you ask and tell. And that, I believe, it's a very good first step for every person who has taken the Strengths Finder, have their report to do with uh, people around them. What that will do is actually, uh, you create a lot of buzz. And I've had people who ended up, hey, I like your report. Let me go take it. And what happens is that you start to really, you know, ignite the strengths movement in your own community and your own social networks. And people start talking about understanding why do you think this way? Why do you work this way? And once we understand each other in such a way, we can really start looking at how do we apply it. Now, I recognize that the application piece uh, can be very unconscious. I've had a friend who joined me at my meetup groups for a long time and he's been, you know, going through our exercises. He knows what uh, his teams are. And by virtue of being in a meetup group, he actually sees how other people respond, how other people think, and how other people react. Now, that understanding in itself helps him to appreciate the uniqueness of each individual and how people are different from him. Unknown to him, he came up to me. I mean, he came up to me and he said, Hey, Alex, uh, how we, we need to bring this further and not just meet up and talk about our talents and 
So what's next? How do you apply it? So my question to him was, well, since you have been in contact with StrengthsFinder and coming to the meetup groups, how have your relationships with other people been? How has your work been? He said, oh, actually my working relationships have been better. I, I see people better. I understand where I'm coming from. I can guess that this person probably has this team. I communicate with this person differently. There is a natural progression to subconsciously applying what you know and what you see in other people. Uh, once you really understand what your own strengths are and what are some of the other talent teams out there that other people might have that helps you to relate to them better. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's a good answer. <clears throat> but you're right. The application process is always the hard one to follow through. And we, you know, at the beginning of the show, we said, Gallup, uh, there's been 12 million users that have logged on Signed up, registered, and I'm taking the Cliff Finder. Uh, the uh, Cliff Finder. You got me saying that, that Grace. <laughs> the the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, and 12 million. Now that's a huge number. And if we do the math and we think about it, if everybody, if every one of those 12 million was intimately aware of their talents and knew how to name, claim, and aim them, we should be noticing a massive impact, not only in professional environments, i.e. workplaces and corporate structure, corporate structure, excuse me, but also in, you know, home development, family life. And are we noticing that on a, on a massive scale? And one would think, well, out of those 12 million, how many are really able to apply what they've learned or how many have taken the assessment because they were told to do so. And I think as, as coaches, as anybody who's a strengths enthusiast, as any boss or mid-level manager or HR or anybody who's developing a team, when you give this to your team as an opportunity to develop a, 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 an insight into individual talents, you have to be able to apply it. And really the most effective way that I've witnessed that is when it's ingrained in the culture of, of a business or an organization. When it becomes it becomes something that's spoken around the water cooler. It's the verbiage that's used when they talk about their mission or their core beliefs or their developmental tools moving forward. That's the only time I see it actually take hold, plant some roots is when it's in, in, ingrained in the culture. And here at the Clinton Area Chamber of Commerce, it's an amazing example. Grace and I had the opportunity to interview uh, Nathan Sangroth, who's their president, who introduced me to strengths-based development. And I tell you what, the strengths is something that's talked about around the office, in the hallway, in meeting rooms, every single day. And, uh, and I'm just blown away by that. But to, just to kind of piggyback on your response yes i absolutely agree the key being talk about it period like talk about it do not <laughs> let your your top five or your full 34 or the the joy you feel for this information you've just received become a best kept secret because it does nobody any good if you just bottle it up and keep it to yourself to what alex said tell everybody you make it mandatory that all of your clients tell at least three people and I, and I love that that's part of your coaching process and Andy I, I love what you you uh, spoke about in terms of culture culture is really something that takes on a life of its own uh, for me when I talk about developing culture there is definitely the speaking part and talking strengths and talking about all this at the underlying foundation of it all I find that the mindset is probably the most important thing. Now, what, what do I mean by mindset? Uh, I'm talking about people to focus on what's right rather than what's wrong and for people to start with talent rather than looking at just competencies. 
So I've spoken with uh, people from HR, L&D, and there's this very, very strong focus on, hey, these are the competency skills that uh, people need without recognizing that, hey, yeah, probably certain skill sets are required, but does this person have the talent to utilize this skill set in a way that your training program is made up to be? To me, once we are able to help a person see and change their mindset in terms of let's really focus on who this person is, what he's good at, what his natural inclinations are, then you can start looking at what kind of skills and knowledge or competencies I can tag on to make this person magnificent. A lot of times people do it the reverse. They say, okay, to be this role, you must have all these competencies, now go for all the training. And that can frustrate so many people because then there's this expectation to fit into a certain mold, this expectation to, to have certain skill sets, which really may not be tacked on to your talents. So I love to see more organizations start looking at, hey, understand the people, understand uh, who they are, where they're coming from. Then look at, hey, for a person like you, the best way to move towards your objective as a manager, as a supervisor, as an individual contributor is to do this. That's interesting, Alex. I'd love to talk about you and your top five strengths. Would you mind telling us which one is your favorite or what you enjoy the most about being able to contribute to others through your strengths? That's tough. I kind of love them all. <laughs> it's like picking your child. Which of your children is your favorite, right? I love them all. They all uh, serve me and others uh, in their own unique ways. So it's difficult to pick one. You know, my individualization empathy is very strong. I tend to focus on individuals, uh, know where they're coming from. I want to see where they're unique. Uh, my developer comes in, you know, to see where their potential is and how we can make them better after I know who they are. Uh, my learner comes in to, to look at what new ways we can do things, how we can learn things together. My strategic finds the best way forward. You know, it's kind of a... The ingredients for your your food, you know, it's like if, if I'm baking a you cake. Make a cake? <laughs> yeah, like you recipe. need every ingredient to make a cake. Yeah. You <laughs> miss out you miss one ingredient out. I mean, there are eggless cakes and whatnot, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all we all have a special place in our hearts for all of our talents, regardless of where they come. But but you, I mean there's to me, there's always that especially. And uh, I thought about this the other day, like I have a tremendous amount of books in my office. Just like people walk in and think that I robbed a library. And and I'm always, yeah, they're like, you know. Did you? Did you? Why do you have all these books, Andy? And I say, I don't know. And then when we talk about strengths, they say, well, where's input? Where's learner for you? And you know what? Oh, it, sits, it sits closer towards the bottom. And they say, but then why do you have all these books? Because the knowledge that I get from those books fosters my communication and my woo. Mm -hmm. I don't read those books cover to cover. I read those books until I find a gem that I can add to my arsenal and conversation, and I cling to that. So that's like, when I go through these books, I seek out this maybe one or two paragraph, and then I'm like, man, when it hits me hard, I write it down, and I memorize it. And then when I'm giving my presentations or I'm talking to people, I can yank that out of my toolbox, and I can spit it out there, and it fosters trust and growth and communication, and 
between me and others. And that's my woo. That's obviously my communication coming in there because people, in order to win others over, you have to let them know that you understand what you're talking about um, and, uh, and you can effectively communicate that message. So that material that I find in all of those books is what allows me to do that. So it's amazing how, like you said, are you often, when you approach somebody, do you kind of try to not label them, but think and estimate uh, what or a guesstimate of what their top five might be? And I'm sure if somebody walked into my office, they would look around and say, oh, learner input, no doubt, 100%. And they would probably be, they'd probably be confused. And they looked at my full 34 and go, no. And then I got to tell them, Mm -hmm. I don't read that book cover to cover. I bought that book because I heard a few people on a podcast say that it was a good read. I plucked a few things out of it and I probably won't read the second half of it because <laughs> I found what I was looking for, you know? But So you're giving off the wrong signals, Andy. Come I know. On. I'm throwing, throwing people <laughs> off. It's like smoke and like ninja style. You can't read your strengths because you have too many books. Strengths ninja. So... <laughs> So yeah, that's so a really good point, though. Yeah, and when yeah. we talk about identifying somebody's top five, I'm like a kid on Christmas. Like I don't want to know. Like I'm like take the assess- assessment, <laughs> and then they bring your results, and they come in and I'm like, oh, do you have them? Do you have your results with you? I really want to see them. And and I get as giddy as they do about about the the results they received and and how they're going to apply them because I think it's just so cool when I bump into somebody who seems a little you know, rough around the edges, not super approachable. And then you find out that they have high empathy and they have high relator and individualization. And then they say, no, I really do like to talk to people. I really do want to know more about them and, 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 and I can relate to their problems and I want to help them grow. And we're all unique. We're all very different as, as, you know, as humans and how we apply our talents. And I'm sitting there going, I would have never thought, but that is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty dope. I like it. Strengths is cool. And that's what I'm going to get tattooed on my bicep. Strengths is cool. <laughs> yeah. Forever and ever. Yeah. I was going to say, strengths is cool. Strengths is cool. Hire Alex Wong as your strengths coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's your website, Alex? Strengthsalchemy.com. Strengthsalchemy.com. And why did you pick the name Alchemy? What's the meaning behind ah, that? Well, you see, um, when we look at alchemy, alchemy is uh, kind of looking at how do we mix different elements together? How do we dissect elements, recombine them to get something better? You know, the mystical world of alchemy, you talk about the philosopher's stone that gives you eternal life. We talk about touching and turning metal into gold. And the concept of it is really simple, is to use whatever is currently there, reorganize it, and you get something different. Alchemy is really thinking about, hey, how do we understand the individual components, put them together in the correct amounts so that you get get the best possible outcome, which is really what our strengths are about, right? Now, first, understand each and every element, each and every theme for yourself. What does it mean? How does it work? Now, for every situation that we have, what themes can we leverage on in what way in what amount, in what intensity, in such a way it brings you the best results. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, perfect sense. I mean, I love it. When I first saw Alex posting his blogs and stuff on on Facebook and he had Strengths Alchemy, I thought, dang, why didn't I buy that domain? That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then I read a lot of his posts and I thought, this, this dude's cool. And I was so glad to have him on our show today. And I think Alex has a lot of great insight. You know what? And it also is really interesting to me, and this just may just be me, but I love hearing 
the insights of those from different parts of the world. You know, like here in the Midwest, I surround myself with those who love strengths, but we have a very Midwest approach to people in the Midwest don't like to really brag about themselves. And, you know, I I think that is an enviable... What are you talking about? That is an enviable trait. I mean, I I do look at that and say, well, that's cool. And people on the East Coast will talk about themselves all day long. Yeah, because we have to sell ourselves or nobody else will understand what we're doing. Right. So it's... We won't listen unless we try to push it. Yeah, it's a regional regional thing. And when I introduce strengths around here and I talk about, well, we're going to focus on what you do best. This is the time for us to kind of, for you to be your own cheerleader and talk about your awesome talents that only you have and they sit there and they go oh why don't (laughs) i don't like to talk about myself but uh, sometimes but when i talk to people from all over the globe you get that perspective of how so maybe alex before we close the show the show out do you notice any kind of different um emotion or feeling towards strengths-based development that that's different in singapore than it is here in the states well, I'm not very familiar with the States, so I can't quite make the comparison. Um, as you were talking about this, the first thing that comes to mind is there is a certain cultural norm in, in every country or in every region, right? So for you, you're talking about the need to communicate, to share, and to brag, maybe get bragging rights, I'm not sure. Um, in the ASEAN culture, sorry, in the Asian culture, uh, we're really looking, there's this thing about humility, we don't brag as much generally. Uh, we're taught to be humble. Uh, we're taught to serve one another. And it was kind of selfless serving. So I think for our culture, one of the things that some people might find challenging, uh, I've had friends who had significance and then they struggle with it, right? They're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be proud. And, and my friend uh, whom I was coaching is from my church and he was like, you know, we, we can't be proud and this I, I don't like this mm-hmm. so uh, we were sharing and I said hey significance is really about being able to perform well you know when others are observing you and really it's not just about being proud and showy it's mm-hmm. about being able to create meaning and leave a legacy so people with significance I will coach them around what is the legacy that you want to live behind and that usually uh brings things up and, and they find that they can uh, absorb it better. You do get some cultural resistance to, to strengths uh, sometimes in terms of, hey, um, let's not announce what I'm good at, right? Because that's not being humble. Mm-hmm. So that could be a challenge uh, in my region sometimes. Yeah. And what about, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed people from, from the Middle East and, and are part of some cultures where, you know, your job or what you pursue for employment is already set in stone based on what your father has done or what your mm-hmm. grandfather has done. So when somebody says, well, you know, your natural talents, you would be amazing at this, or I can see why you're drawn to this. Some people do not have the opportunity to say, okay, well, why my talents are best suited for a job that is like this and not that, I can't just get up and move. It's already been determined what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I always look at that. And I'm always very thankful that you know here in the United States, like many countries, you have the ability to pursue your dream regardless of whether it's a plumber or you know a movie director. You have the ability to kind of make those moves. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, very, it's very cool how you can just do whatever you want. I have so many thoughts about the idea of having a job that's 
forced on you, but at the same time, the opportunity, because in American culture, we have so much choice. We have the opportunity to start over and change pretty much whatever we want. We can move where we want. We can take a job wherever we want. We can change careers six times like I have. But in some cultures, it's not possible, as Andy just mentioned. But I think the reality is, even if you are in a profession that you really cannot change, you don't have to lose hope or feel overwhelmed or depressed because of that. Because there's still ways that you can use your talents in that job and be the best that you can be in that role. For example, I was in a job where I was in a sales role um, and initially it was for marketing. So I had behind the scenes work where I could strategize and think of how to reach people. I loved that job. And I could also help to integrate our mission of our company with the team of the rest of the organization. And eventually the owners decided that, no, they needed outside sales. They really didn't want me doing much of the inside work as much. They really wanted to have me hit the ground running and call for eight hours a day making cold calls, which means calling to talk to people and ask them if they were interested in buying what we had. And that just drained the life out of me that made me so unhappy to do that particular part of the job. But if I had the opportunity to talk to them about what else I could do, there are other ways to to do that job with my strengths, strategizing how to call certain people or creating campaigns specifically for them. or you know. So I'm just trying to make an example that even if you're in a job that you really can't get out of or you know, your family has a business that you have to run, there's some ways that you can still take your, your strengths and contribute to that and not feel like you have to have the option to leave. So Alex, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, I love where you're coming from in terms of uh, using our talents in our jobs. And I think it was Shane Lopez who said this, your dream job is not found, it is made. That's so true. We're really talking about how do we craft our jobs and move it in such a way that uh, it will help us to really thrive. Uh, We do need certain environments. Uh, We do need managers who are able to think that way and help us uh, to co-create our jobs. Mm -hmm. That's why Gallup's research shows that uh, managers account for 70% of variability in engagement levels of the staff. Mm -hmm. 70% of it. So if we do have managers who are able to um, uh, help us to design our jobs in such a way that utilizes our strengths. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying that we should push all the responsibility to the manager. We do need to take proactive steps to go to the manager and say, hey, look, I think the objective of calling so many people is to get a sales. I think that I can get sales better by going out, meeting them, doing a roadshow, whatever it is that allows Mm -hmm. you to leverage on your talents more. Now, if the manager is able to to just say, hey, okay, let's give it a try, rather than sitting at a desk and call, try something else, as long as you deliver to me the results that I want. Exactly. That's exactly right, Alex. To get the results that they wanted, there were other options. But at the time where that was presented to me, I just, I was so overwhelmed by the thought of me as an introvert with a lot of strategic strengths, sitting at a desk in a windowless office making phone calls for eight hours a day just exhausted me. So I I tried it for a bit, but it was so hard to get to those results with my talents that I decided to give my notice and quit the job. And looking back, it was actually healthy for me, but there were other ways I could have still contributed to the company if I knew how to share that my talents would have still gotten the results in a different type of 
work. So I could have still helped to get them sales, but more from my point of view with my talents. But that's a great point, Alex. I, I love to help managers to create um, a better environment for their employees where they can engage better. So that's one of my loves, too. I love to help managers. Andy, do you have quite a bit of clients who are managers, or do you work more with um, employees or kind of some of each? I work with a hodgepodge of everybody. Hodgepodge. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people. It's a big audience full of heartbeats, and it's really, it is, it's a healthy combination of folks from all different levels in the organization, from all different uh, industries that, I mean, just like, so I just sent off a proposal to do a, a large group seminar for the tourism industry. So you having people from different age ranges, from different parts of the state, all trying to figure out their goal is to get people from the outside of their community, outside of their state, to travel inbound and take advantage of the stuff that they have internally. And one yeah. of the things I'm going to be talking about is like strengths-based tourism for your community. Same concept, but instead of instead of focusing on where you're weak and, and constantly trying to say, if we had this, more people would come. If we brought in a Starbucks, more people would come. Instead, mm-hmm. say, what do we have now? What are, our, what are our strengths as a community that we can promote and leverage and, and just market the crap out of to bring more people here. So it's kind of like pairing those two, the concept of strengths-based development outside of an individual personal development aspect to a community development. And the same, you know, obviously the 34 themes and everything roll nicely into the individual side of it. And that will be applied as well. But I really, I truly Mm -hmm. love the concept of strengths-based development at its core. I just think the fact that we're focused less on what we need to work on and more of what we already do well and foster that growth to create a massive strength is something that I'm super passionate about. So I guess that was a long-winded answer for your question. Oh, that was great. What did you think, Alex? Do you work with management teams, with individuals, or with both? Mm, I work more with individuals than management teams. Mm -hmm. I do have some management teams that I speak to as part of the workshops I've conducted. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that I would like to talk about in terms of careers, because that topic comes up so often. And I've had people who come up to me and then say, hey, Alex, look, these are my teams. What job do you think I should go for? Right. You get that? <laughs> yes. And right. it could be very challenging to to guess, um, you know, oh, I think that this would probably be good for you. Of course, you could get feedback from them. Mm-hmm. I think that a good piece of the puzzle that's missing whenever someone comes up to me and say that, hey, um, these are my, my talents from StrengthsFinder. What should I do? The question that I always ask them is this, what are you passionate about? Now, the reason is this, uh, a person once shared with me, and he used the term gifting instead of strengths, but I think it's pretty much the same. It says that your strengths determine what you do, what you're good at, right? So for example, if my strengths is in singing, I'm a fantastic singer, I sing. It's what I do. Your passion is it, was dictates. That, was that truth? I don't want to throw you off, <laughs> but are you, a, are you a truly fabulous singer, Alex? No, you do not oh. want to hear me sing. Uh, okay, so that, was, that was just an example. I did oh, I did not want to miss an opportunity to hear the sweet vocals of Alex Wong. On oh, I'd podcast. love to hear that, Alex. Come well, okay, on. Okay, sorry to derail you, bro. Keep going, though. You're on fire. But your strengths <laughs> determine what you're good at, such as potentially singing, right? Right, so it determines what you do. Uh-huh. Your passion determines where you do it. Where? So for example, if I'm good at singing, I sing. Now my passion would then dictate, do I sing on stage? Do I sing to children? 
you use the strengths based on where you're passionate in the rest of your life. So it doesn't dictate what your life should be just because you have abilities and talents, right? Right. So mm. our, our talent teams tells us how we go about something, but not what we do. An element that's often missing when people are searching for careers is, so tell me, what is it that you're passionate about? What gets you excited? Is there a cause? Is there a mission? Is there a vision that you want to pursue? Is there people groups that you want to help, that you want to address? What? And we find most people are quite lost, right? Mm. They go like, mm, I don't really know what I like or what I want. You know, we kind of go into this because it's the highest paying job. I kind of go into this because that's what people tell me I should do. I kind of go into this because the government tells me it's what we should be doing because it's the next in thing. And that's why we get so many people who are lost in career and you have this midlife, quarter life crisis and then they pause and they ask themselves, why am I doing this? thing that we could probably help people is really to figure out, uh, of course, to understand our strengths, but also to understand what they are passionate about. What really drives them? What do they want to do? What's the impact that they want? What is your eulogy? What do you want at the end of the road for you to have accomplished that you know really drives you? That's what you're really passionate about. Now, not everybody feels that they have the what you say, privilege to do it. Some people are definitely bound by things like practical concerns, right? We all have bills to pay. We have things that we want. But really, the only way to be really, really contented in your job is really to have something that you pursue, you're passionate about, that you use your strengths, um, that of course pays you <laughs> enough yeah. for your bills. Yeah, you know, Alex, I was thinking of something that I tell my children a lot. For one thing, I... I'm proud of them no matter what they do, but there are certain realities in this world that you have to be, you have to concern yourself with in order to be successful. I love to help them uncover what their abilities are and also what their passions are. I just never thought of the word passion. That's a great word. And also, I think it's great when you ask people about passion, it's helpful to use the four domains in the way that you ask that question or in, in the way that you unpackage someone's, even if they're new to strengths you know, asking about how they build relationships or what makes um, it possible to influence people or, uh, you know, how they strategize or see the world in a big place, you know, things in a bigger picture or then how how you go about doing things and accomplishing things. So I think it's it's great when you can break it down into the four areas. Sometimes that helps people to answer the question more easily because yeah. 34 different strengths are very hard to remember. <laughs> I just thought of a story about matching passion and talents. Uh, I was attending a workshop once. Uh, there's this gentleman and he was sharing, his father, he talks about uh, parenting. <laughs> so he was sharing a story about how his son loved rock concerts. And his son, because he loved rock concerts so much, he wanted to become... A rock star? He wanted to be, yeah, you know, he wanted <laughs> to be in a band. He wanted to join the band. And the dad was like, you know, band is not really the thing. I probably didn't want, he, did, he didn't say that. But what he realized was that his son was very, very good at writing. Hmm. So what his, he got his son and they discussed and he got his son to do is to go write about rock concerts. And so he attended rock concerts. He started writing about it. And guess what? The organizers write how he wrote so much that he eventually got paid by magazines Wow. for sending him around the world to attend rock concerts so they could write for them. So he 
you know, he got engaged in his passion for rock concerts. And at the same time, he leveraged on his strengths on being able to write well. That's like a beautiful uh, combination of how these two can really yeah, go I together. And he got paid for it. Then you get paid. Yeah, I, I think a lot about people that are stuck in a job that they may or may not like. It may or may not pay well, but it's kind of like where the reality is. And if they don't have the choice to get out, that can cause a lot of frustration and it can make them feel trapped and stuck. But a lot of times there is still an opportunity to use that job in a different way or to apply a passion through that or even outside the job to make life more bearable. I've been in that position so many times. If you find a passion somewhere else in your life, a lot of times that can make the rest of your day more bearable and it gives you hope and more excitement and sometimes it can even lead to income which you know eventually you might be able to leave the job you're not so passionate about and do something like what Alex said with the rock concert writer what a great job for yeah. someone who likes rock concerts and writing right yeah, <laughs> I would absolutely. not enjoy that but I'm glad he does you don't like and rock the great concerts? thing that I love about that story <laughs> is the father's ability to not uh, quench that passion but to leverage it and point it in the correct way. It's very easy to say, hey, you know, rock concerts, you there's no future in that. It's not good for you. Right. Go study something that will give you a good job. He didn't do that, right? Mm -hmm. He went like, you love rock concerts? Fine. You're good at writing? Good. Put it together. Go write for rock concerts. And, you know, so it's really the mindset. I talk about looking at strengths and looking at what's right and what's wrong, focusing on what you're good at. And I think the father did all that. Well, what a, very, what very, a great message well. for us as parents. Andy and I both have children. Um, I have three and he has two. And we talk quite a bit on our, on our downtime when we're not recording this show about how we can help our children to grow up and understand their own strengths and abilities in this world. And I have a passion for helping children in general to understand that. Any kid I meet, I think, has so much potential, but it's squashed a lot, you know, by their classmates, by teachers, by people telling them, oh, you're never going to be that. You could never be an artist because it won't pay. You'll never, blah, blah, you know, I've heard this myself quite a few times growing up too. Oh, you, why would you want to do that kind of job when, you, when you're encouraged and you're told that, yes, you do have potential, you do have this ability. There are ways that you can still get what you want and have fun. Right, Alex? I mean... That's that's like, that's like the passion that we all want to turn into something. So, Andy, what do you think? Do your kids tell you something crazy like, I want to be an astronaut? And you're like, um... No, they actually tell me, like, Dad, you're crazy. Because I'll be like, you know, we should do this, we should do that. And they're like, Dad... Or do they want to be like a, a business yeah. woman and a farmer or something? Yeah. At <laughs> this practical. point, I'm just excited when my son wears pants. Like, that's <laughs> that's where we're at right now. He never has clothes on. So well, that's actually a really good goal to have. Actually. Yeah, he's three, so he's bucking the system already, and he's like, he's down, he's down with people telling him what to wear and and when he has to have it on. So, uh, little does he know that as he grows older, he'll be put in jail if he does not wear pants. So, um, well, there's some places where that's acceptable. But yeah, well, not not in Clinton, not Iowa. In I can Iowa. Tell you tell you that much so so alex we're gonna have to close this up man this has been an amazing interview we've we've covered everything from the different assessments that are out there to your strength story to what you do as kind of as a coach we tapped on a little bit of everything and it was just it was an amazing experience so thank you so much for allowing grace and i the opportunity to spend this evening with you for us but this morning for you over there in singapore thank you for having me it's been an awesome conversation yeah, yeah, thank you, Alex. I learned so much from the way that you would describe things. You definitely have a talent for communicating, even if that's not in your top five. 
it's my top trial officially communication but oh, <laughs> yeah, but you, you I go. just appreciate the passion that you bring for helping people to discover their individual strengths and that means a lot you have top you have strengths that I don't have in my top 10 so it's always great to hear from that point of view thanks for being on the show thank you all right everybody thanks grace alex we had an amazing broadcast i hope you guys are you're probably on your second pen now writing down all the notes and amazing insights that (laughs) that uh we all shared hopefully and i hope i contributed it as well but sadly we have to call this one finished so for all you strengths enthusiasts out there continue following thematics as we interview people who love to talk about their strengths as remember hit us up on facebook facebook.com forward slash unleash strengths hit us up on twitter at unleash csf and always subscribe to this podcast if you're listening via itunes please subscribe but leave us a positive review so that's the only way that our podcast is going to be shared with the masses so that we can work to make a broad impact in this whole movement called strengths-based development i am your host as always andy sokolovich see ya Thank you for listening to another episode of Thematics presented by UnleashStrengths.com. Remember to embrace your strengths and always stay addicted.